Stay tuned, stay tuned, stay tuned. I'm here with the coach, John Britt. And I'm here with the vet, Mr. Ian Griffin, and two great guests tonight for a great topic. I can't wait. Yeah, so uh, so tonight's topic is going to be the Rittenhouse case. Oh, my gosh. It's got everybody on the seat. You got the judge correcting people up there like he's a drill sergeant, which I love it. And uh, you got pandemonium. You got a prosecution. Don't look like they prepared for crap. You got a defense. It looks like they're like been around the block and done it. But we're going to air all that out. But we got two great guests. And uh, I'll introduce the one right below me. And I'll let you introduce Coach Ingram. We've had a long fellowship. But right below me is the loose cannon himself, Don McCush. How you doing, Don? Oh, doing outstanding. Uh you're coming up here to Kansas City, actually, this weekend, so uh, pretty cool. I am. I am. You know, I love that shirt you got on, Don. Coach, did you see the shirt you got on? It says the coach and the vet. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I love it. I love it. I love it. And the coach has the hat the on, too. The only two that don't have it is us. What the flip are we doing, man? I don't know what's going on. So, Don, I got, I got to let you tell us about this photo here. Go ahead. Yeah, so it, it, this actually popped up on my uh, Facebook feed today, and it was actually uh, appropriate for tonight. This was nine years ago today when you and I were stationed in Germany together, and uh, this was a graduation for what they call the Warrior Leaders Course. Uh, you know, the, the guy, that's my back's turned everyone, but it was my favorite picture out of the, the pictures, so that's the one that I, I wanted to send. And I guess also as we're talking about Rittenhouse, a young guy that he could have been, you know, any one of those uh, kids standing in that uh, formation right there, having graduated uh, school. But he's not; he's in a different situation. Uh, so there are some parallels that I thought would be interesting. And again, the picture kind of popped up today, and there was a connection between you. There was a connection between the topic, so I wanted to share it with you guys. Before I take the picture down, I want to throw this to the coach. Coach, that building behind it behind them that's the gym and that glass there on the front wow. is where the treadmills are at and when it snowed you got to look out across the blue valley and across the field the baseball field and everything it was pretty cool just throwing it out there so anyway that would be very so, very nice yes so in that picture somewhere i just don't know where he was at yeah because yeah i promise you i was there handing out coins, talking to soldiers during that time, for sure. Those are good times, Don, definitely. So go ahead, Coach. Tell us who we got. We know this guy. Well, yeah. I'll tell you. I'll tell you who we got. We got a legend, Pittsburgh legend. We got uh, Coach David Ingram. As I used to say, we live in the triangle of Kesterson, Parkland, and Milligan. And he used to live there right in the middle of all the gangsters of Kesterson and Milligan Drive on Parkland, just right around the corner from me. A lot of people don't know that. We always talk about being a coach in uh, – middle school and junior high for us, but I always remember coach living just right around the corner for me. So coach, great to have you again. I always love when you're on the show. Great. I love being here. Glad that y'all asked me to come back. Got some high socks here, some high yeah, socks and booty shorts. I, I told Ian, I thought, I guess I need to come up with another picture on this, but it does kind of that old number 50. Oh no, don't there. do that. Old number 55 there. It's oh, yeah. Looking pretty sharp. Pretty sharp. 
I'm going to tell you right now, Coach, the next time you're on here, I'm going to find those shorts and I'm going to wear Hey, we had kids that watch this now, John Brent. We <laughs> can't do that. Watch. And, then, and then you see the old football pitcher, front row, number four in your program, the great Ian Griffin, smallest guy to ever play seventh grade football for Pittsburgh, I believe, at least in my turn. But he growed up pretty good. I, I dusted off. I, I dusted I, off a little I bit. My gross bird hit. Say again? I do have a question about that photo. I do have a question oh. about that photo, Coach Ingram. On the far right, the coach, was that Coach Grubal? Well, who was that? No, that was Coach I Surratt. I can't see it very well. Yeah, Coach Surratt. Coach Surratt. He was oh, there just okay. one year. Yeah. Yeah. Those are interesting times right there. Man, we, we, we had no worries yeah, in the world back stuff. then. That was fun. It was fun. Oh, no. Worried, worried about, you know, seeing all the girls in the hallway. That's all I had to worry about. That was it. Yeah. yeah. That's good life. So, Coach, you're going to start it out. We got we got the great trial that's going on. It's been thrown to all sorts of hypocrisy about what's all going on there. A whole lot of what's not going on there is what the world's talking about. So we're going to throw it to you, Coach. Go ahead. Well, I'm telling you, this trial has – it's really divided a lot of people, and I don't really know why, uh, because it seems to me to be a simple a simple thing watching this trial that what is self-defense uh, I thought was pretty simple, but maybe I don't know, so I need some help. Uh, first thing I want to ask is, myself is has anybody seen this trial and go there's anything that the prosecution has shown that you can go well i can see how he can get convicted because to be honest and i hate to tell you my my answer immediately is i've listened to hours of this trial and i'm still looking for that aha moment from the prosecution that gives me a reasonable that you know goes over that reasonable doubt threshold and, you know, I'll start with coaching him and then go down to Don. But I, I haven't found one. So if someone has, it's what I was hoping to get on this, is someone that can tell me maybe, you know, that he has not been proven guilty or not guilty at this point. But I really can't figure out a way that they can make this guy guilty on any of those charges. So, so y'all try to. Well, uh, I'm kind of like you. And one of the things that they talk about or looking at and other people have talked about saying, is this more of a, did they just jump into it too quick? You know, is it more political than a, a trial should be? I mean, they jumped into this bringing charges and all just a few days after the event took place. And I don't know, those two prosecuting attorneys that have been talking, I don't know where they got their law degree, but they, they haven't to me again, just like you, they haven't come up with anything that I could see that would make him guilty of the main charges. Now the lesser charges that they're bringing up now, I don't know, you know, they got maybe a little bit more leeway on that, but the main charges that they've been trying to get him convicted of, I just don't see it. They're not even their own witnesses have said, you know, yeah, I'm pointing the gun at him, you know, and said, F you, I'm gonna kill him. Well, you know, they're doing the defense job for him. You would think the 
uh, prosecutors, they would have gone over all this testimony with their witnesses. They know what they're going to say. They pretty much know how to ask the questions and what the answers are going to be. They go through the whole thing. And then that one time when he said that, they saw, you know, the, one of the defense attorneys face palmed. You know, he's going, oh, great. You know, that just threw everything out the window. So I haven't seen anything. I mean, there may be. And I don't know if it's what the jury's going to see on it. But as far as I can tell, I haven't seen anything that they've done. Uh-oh, coach faded out. So we're going to throw it over to you, Don. What do you think on that real quick? Yeah, you know, the only charge that seemed reasonable uh, was there was a, a charge related to underage or uh, youth carrying uh, guns. There, but the judge threw it out because it was a law that Wisconsin passed in the 80s, it was really intended to focus on uh, curbing uh, uh, gang violence. And so the law was kind of specific and it didn't really apply to the weapon that Rittenhouse was using. Uh, but the judge threw that charge out. And that was really the only one that you could have probably had a legitimate argue over. I think this case is so fascinating for people to watch. Um, because it's it's definitely educational, um, it's relevant, it uh, is eye opening. It really points to how dishonest the media is, and how powerful the media is in terms of shaping opinion. Because I think everyone that watches it would universally agree that he's not guilty, regardless of your. Uh, political beliefs, or regardless of what you thought going into uh, that courtroom, if you sit there and just watch the prosecution, the witnesses, Rittenhouse's own, you know, own testimony, I think everyone would leave saying, "Yeah, he absolutely uh, did nothing wrong, other than perhaps choosing to be there." But he, it seems like he even had good reasons to be there. Uh, he was, you know, he was cleaning up graffiti that morning at the high school. Uh, horrible words that were spray painted all over the high school wall. He had uh, been working with this uh, group of uh, car dealership owners that owned several car dealerships in the area. Uh, again, in the morning, went over to the car dealership because it had been set on fire and built a relationship with those owners and a handful of other folks and was rendering first aid to people and doing all sorts of normal things, uh, things that we probably wish our children would want to do, maybe not in that area, but I think there's elements of what he did that most parents would be proud of. And then for the whole thing to get turned on him like this, uh, I just think everyone for their own you know, for their own sanity, ought to just watch the original content and don't let it be filtered by CNN. Don't let it be filtered by Fox News. Don't let it be filtered by anyone uh, and render your own judgment on it. Well, and there's a couple of things that I want to jump into and I'm going to pass it to the vet is 
and uh, is there a couple of things I say that maybe I look and go, well, he, he, he didn't do correctly. One was lying. He did lie about being a, a certified, uh, I guess, ER tech or, or med tech, whatever they called it. And also bringing an AR-15 into that situation. He, he didn't have to. He was kind of excited about it. But one of the things that the vet and I were talking about was yesterday, or yeah, I think it was yesterday when they had the final arguments that CNN, MSNBC, and Fox on the radio were a list we were listening to, and I could hear them on the radio because I know the vet was at the house, but actually all three of those were playing the prosecutor's final arguments. But when it went to the defense argument, CNN and MSNBC went to something else and only Fox was carrying the defense. So it's almost like let's filter out what the defense is doing so the people that listen to us won't actually know what the other side was actually even saying it was absolutely vet it was disheartening but why should i even be surprised you shouldn't be i'm going to answer that first thing yes everybody else here in a second you shouldn't be msnbc didn't even show it live uh uh cnn came on about 30 minutes into it and then did their excuses they had to refer to the president who had uh jumped to this bill that he took his time to do a ceremony on so they did ceremony on but but exactly what you're saying perfect timing but I will say in closing remarks yesterday, the prosecution brought up something that I'm like, why did y'all not run with that before? I mean, did y'all were not thinking they brought up this right here after the first shooting on the second and third shooting that the people that were attacking Rittenhouse, Huber and Gross Kurtz, that they thought that he was an active shooter. And I'm like, why didn't you go down that lane a whole lot more earlier? Because that would have made a lot more sense. Now, I the exact same thing. Now, Rittenhouse could still go, hey, in his mind, I am being assaulted and I am protecting my life and he would have the right. But this would make sense to everything. But as you saw the video that the defense threw down there, and, I'm, and, and I hate to smile about it, because I shouldn't be smiling about it, to be honest. But the poor young man ran people, threw stuff at him. People were harassing him. They kicked him. They finally knocked him to the ground with a skateboard. Somebody kicked him and hit him with a skateboard. What was he supposed to do? Just take that beating like a man till he died and then, you know, look down from heaven and go, I guess you got me, guys. You know, and my other deal is, is what sane person goes and attacks anybody with a gun, period? I mean, do you expect any other out? come uh but wayne woodle's writing that and that is after the first uh victim but the defense did show the shooting of the first victim and that was important because i had not seen that the whole time all i've heard was a testimony and there was a testimony for three people that i'm aware of 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 the first victim two of them saying that that rittenhouse was in danger and then one of them was saying that uh, the Marine, the former service member, said, well, he should have shout, show, shove, and shoot. Well, when you're running away from the guy that's chasing you who threatened to kill you earlier, and you're running away from him in the retreat mode, I think he's seen your gun. That's the show part. He's already seen that. And then when he gets in hand's reach of you, you're supposed to shove him in as you're, on, you're in the, the running backwards mode? Uh, no, that's not how that works. Uh, and it does show him within about this far distance from his hand to the end of the gun is as close as you can tell. You can't tell if he touches the rifle or not. And then he fires finally. He fires at him, aggressing him. 
flat out is what it shows. And then you can't see it no more. And I think it's a drone footage is actually what it is. But we couldn't see that until then. And I'm like, any sane person would have been like, dude, you're chasing me a freaking all around here. I've got the gun. You threatened to kill me earlier. I got the gun. You're still chasing me. What am I supposed to do? Anyway, I throw it back to you, coach. Well, I mean, absolutely. I don't believe that really looking at the the evidence, especially the gentleman that was on there when I asked him, did you have a gun with, with a loaded round in it pointed at him? And they showed him the video and he had to say, yes, I did. I mean, there's really not, I, I don't think the argument really could be, and that's why I don't think this trial should even have happened. I don't think the argument could be, should be, did he have the right to defend himself with the actions that those three people did? The only thing that you could even bring up is, could he bring this weapon or should he have brought this weapon? And being a 17-year-old, should he even have this weapon? And I know there's some, some legalities on that. But outside of that, they say, well, he shouldn't have went across state lines to help. Well, those people went across state lines to protest. I mean, we don't even talk about that, that there was a whole bunch of people doing a whole lot of illegal things there that wasn't even from there. And he went there to actually try to protect property that friends asked him to come. So I don't believe the shooting as much as the issue. Of course, people died. And anytime someone dies, that's the issue. But I believe that and I like to, to ask Don and, and coaching in the same thing. If it wouldn't have had the summer of George Floyd last year, and it's been such an amazing racial tension, police and, and, and difference and race brought into it. Would this trial even be, I mean, would this prosecutor be even feel the pressure to bring this trial? Because I believe the political pressure that he felt from the first couple hours that he came out and said what he said up until the president saying thing to people in the media saying thing that this is, this, this is a bad guy that came out and just murdered people. In reality, if all this George Floyd in the last year, year and a half hadn't happened, I don't even know if this would have even been brought to trial. Uh, what do you guys think? You want me to go first, right? Yep. So I'm going to throw this out there. This happened on August. Uh, uh, Jake Jacob Blake was, was killed on August 23rd. This happened on August 25th. Okay. So this happened on August 25th. And, and I'm just going to throw some media things out there of where the pressure is coming from. Representative. Ayanna Presley, who is a Democrat representative from Massachusetts, not from Illinois and not from Wisconsin. I mean, like far away. I don't know where she got her intel from, but these were her words on August 26th on Twitter. A 17-year-old white supremacist domestic terrorist drove across state lines with, armed with an AR-15. He shot and killed two people who assembled to affirm the value, dignity, and worth of black lives. So that was the first one. And I got a list of a whole bunch of other people from August. That's, just, just, wanted, outright, that's just outright a lie. There, there's nothing in there that's true except two people died. He, but, but other than that, I mean, we there there is video evidence of Rosenbaum sitting there saying the N-word. I don't think he's affirming any black lies by doing that. There's evidence of him right there next to the dumpster getting pissed off because they put the fire extinguisher on the dumpster and he was wanting to push it toward the police. And then he aggressed the three people with the M16, well, well, AR-15s in front of him. So there's a lot of issues there. And I agree with you, Coach. There was a lot of political pressure. Heck, they wanted to make the three people who were dead, they wanted, before it was over with, I think they wanted to change the color so it could suit their narrative, to be honest. And, and it, that found out that wasn't true. And that was actually a liberal person said, I thought that actually they were somebody else that got killed. And I was like, it, you know, so anyway – I think it's completely based off politics. And so they couldn't get anything else. So what we have to do, 
we had to make him a white supremacist, conservative person probably or something, you know, and he's a gun toter, you know, because you saw all during the prosecution, it was about, well, you know, he had a little measly old pistol. It only shot a 40 round. <laughs> you had the 223 AR-15, and he made it out to be like it was a 50 cal, you know. I hate to tell you, the 40 cal would have put a bigger bullet hole on both coming in and going out on you. So, anyway, I'll throw it over to – go ahead, Coach. Well, Don, you're, you're, you're the, the person of reason. What what in the world is going on with anybody that's white that does something that someone on the left does not like? The word is being thrown out as a white supremacist over anything. I have not heard – I'm 51 years old. For the first 46, 47 years of my life, I might have heard that 10 times. Well, the last three years, I've probably heard it 300 times. And anytime a person does anything that the media on the left doesn't like or the or the NAACP or even Joe Madison or Jesse Jackson don't like, we're white supremacist for having an opinion that might be conservative. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, white supremacist for a white man killing a white man. I mean, the the media is just so completely corrupt that um you know that this all this is all a result of the trump derangement syndrome uh that uh, took place i mean i i actually pulled up an article today to see because um I, actually i was reading the atlantic which definitely leans left uh but they had a conservative contributor on there that uh, essentially the title of the article was Rittenhouse uh, will probably get off, but Rittenhouse is no hero. I'm like, okay, that's interesting. Let me read that. And so I'm reading through it and I'm like, you know what? I do recall that media was telling us that these three protesters that were shot were all heroes last year. They're all heroes. So now the Atlantic is saying, that he may get off, but he's not a hero, but these other folks were heroes. And so I pulled up this article from a year ago and every sentence in the article has a falsehood or a lie. Even the title of it is very misleading. The title, a father and a 26 year old skateboarder, the protesters killed in Kenosha. Well, the father was not even a protester. He was just there randomly because he got out of the hospital that morning because he he had attempted suicide. He was released from the hospital in Kenosha, went to his ex-girlfriend's house trying to stay the night there. And she's like, no, I have a restraining order on you. You can't stay here. And so he's just wandering the streets of Kenosha. And there's protests going on. So he wasn't a peaceful protester, but they're calling him a protester. What is he really? He's a man that's been in prison for 10 years because he had sexual relations with five underage boys. He was diagnosed with bipolar disease, uh, two suicide attempts, one hospitalization because of it, restraining order on his girlfriend. I mean, this is not a perfect, beautiful, peaceful protester. And, uh, and a father, yeah, he uh, he fathered a child, but he had no relationship with that child. So to call him a father when he's all those other things, and then the 26-year-old skateboarder, well, yeah, you're a 26-year-old skateboarder, but you've also been sent to prison twice for two violent crimes, one against your brother, one against your sister, and you've used that skateboard to uh, 
you know, impose violence on Rittenhouse that evening. And you also have been diagnosed with bipolar disorder and you don't have a relationship with your mother and, uh, you know, a whole host of things. But that's not what the article says. It says a father and a 26 year old skateboarder, the protesters killed in Kenosha. And then you can go on to the next sentence. Um, you know, they, they died on Wednesday night in a small Wisconsin city, 40 miles south of Milwaukee, where demonstrations against police brutality had continued. Uh, it's just it's just funny to see how they wrote the narrative a year ago and what, again, don't watch the news. Don't don't read those things except to just kind of give you situational awareness. Go to the original source. The original source is the testimony that's going on in the courtroom. Listen to the prosecution. Listen to the defense. Listen to the witnesses. It's so blatantly obvious that this was just wrong in so many, so many ways. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. It, it, and, and coach, that's the same. It's the same thing is when something happens in our country, there has to be due process that takes time to get people into court. But what the media has done is they have laid out, depending on if it's a liberal side or if it's a conservative side, what they want the agenda to be before that case even goes to trial. And I'll say 78 percent of the people that watch the news already have an opinion before that trial even starts. So they go into the trial watching for, aha, see, I told you, instead of listening to the totality of the evidence. And that scares me as an American that could possibly be on a jury, a jury or someone that could possibly, you know, uh, you know, to say, for God's sake, I was, you know, uh, put up for trial. I mean, people already have a narrative and a thought before they even get to trial a coaching. I mean, the media is terrible. Yeah, uh, that's true. And they've continued to do that. I have a problem. Part of it is when they talk about these three, these gentlemen and the rest of them, they call them protesters. To my way of thinking, you're not a protester. If you're burning buildings, if you're destroying cars and other things, you're not a protester. That's a riot. Okay. I'm old enough. I could go back to the protests in the 60s, Martin Luther King, and they were protesting for civil rights. It was always during the daytime. They marched down the streets. They didn't tear anything up. I mean, they were assaulted by a lot of different police uh, departments in the South, but they didn't burn anything as far as I can remember. I mean, I was in junior high and high school at that time. But now, you know, they want to call him a protester when they're burning buildings and, like I say, burning cars and even people being killed. Right? That's not a protest. That's a riot. And to me, the leaders of Kenosha and the governor of Wisconsin, they were kind of complicit in this. Well, if you tell the police to stand down, well, then you're letting them do what, let them the protesters, if you want to call them that, do whatever they want to do. Okay. Well, that's a, to me, that's a problem. Where have we as a country now decided that, okay, it's good. Let's just burn buildings. You're protesting because you don't like something. Okay. Well, we can protest. That's in the constitution. You have the right to assembly. You have the right to protest, but you don't have the right to riot. And that's what this has been. But if you call it that, oh, no, they're protesters. 
they're protesting injustice. You know, and that's that's the part of the problem that I have with it. Yeah, you know, and we do have the First Amendment, right? Like you say, to peacefully protest and assemble. And, and it says protest and assemble. It's been, you know, historically through the courts, it's been a peaceful thing that you do. But why can't we call a riot a riot, looting, looting? It's always coming back that, well, if certain bad things are done to people enough, then they have the right to riot and the right to loot and the right to do what they want to because they aren't heard. That's the new mentality that's never really been that way. But but just recently, it's almost like they've been getting by the local police department, like you're saying, to stand down and let them do what they want to do. Let's them know that no matter what we do, if we want to steal, if we want to burn, if we want to hurt somebody, the police don't police aren't going to do anything about it. I mean, yes, it would be great if we could go in and, and, and arrest every rider and looter there is. If you did that for you know three or four years in a row, maybe it would do something. But what we've seen over the last three or four years, especially when the Trump years to now, is that when there's something like this going on, everybody is so politically correct. They want to stand back and let them have their peaceful protest slash riot slash loot. And that way they get it all out of them, because if not, they're going to come after us and our job. So, so coach, one thing I'll say is I'm going to say a couple of things here on this is, is first of all, Don, yeah, they, those were classic characters there you read off. I mean, those were outstanding citizens of America, and that's how the media has tried to portray it. Speaking of how media has tried to portray things, even the president, even the president of the United States of America during his campaign posted a video on Twitter, and he put the picture of uh, – Rittenhouse on there. As he put the picture of Rittenhouse, these are the words he, he said. Trump refused to disavow white supremacists, and it had the picture of Rittenhouse up when he said that. And I'm like, this is a 17-year-old boy that went down there into a riot because it wasn't a protest. It was a complete riot when they're burning stuff, beating the hell out of people and everything else, you know. But anyway, so I thought that was important, and uh, I think we're going to show a quick commercial here, Coach, and then we're going to move on. Is that all right, Coach? Let me get the commercial on here. I got it real quick here. Hey, so if you're up in the uh, – if you're up in the Granbury area in Granbury, Texas, for any computer needs you got, call one eight seven seven nine six seven geek for Metro Geek, one of the classiest guys you ever hang out with. He's veteran-owned, and he'll take care of all your needs by far. Now, moving on, this is how we support our page. Come to www.thecoachandthevet and buy some cool stuff that Coach Egram has on and Don McCush has on because they're looking classy tonight. So with that there, yes, I like it. I like it. I like it a lot. So we all have our debates on social medias and we pick our people we fight with and all this other stuff. And, you know, and so on social media, there's been, a, there's people who have not watched this case at all. And like any multiple of y'all said, if you just watch the case, you'll be like, oh, that ain't nothing that's been said. That's not true. That's not true. That's not true. The weapon charge is not true, you know, and all this other stuff. And I've had one just as of two days ago come on there after we discussed that MSNBC didn't cover it and CNN didn't cover it. And they go, well, you know, 
These guerrilla tactics used by people crossing the state lines with a weapon, da, 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 similar to the Capitol tactics. I didn't know they had any weapons at the Capitol, to be honest with you, not any guns. I, I didn't know that. But anyway, this is how deranged, like you said, Don, that would try to tie things to Trump. When this case truly has nothing to do with any politics, everybody just injected politics in it at the end of the day is my thoughts on it. But I have to ask this. These people on social media, who it's evident they hasn't watched the trial, but say they crossed state lines with a weapon that he had illegally or murdered two people and murdered two people. So in today's time, with so many people in the media, politicians voicing their opinion, just as I, I demonstrated Presley's, is the opinion and assumptions supposed to be more important than the facts? Because that's what these politicians are portraying, and that's what the media is portraying. It sure seems that way. And I'll throw it to you first, Coach Ingram, uh, on that. And we'll work our way around to Don and, and back to the Coach John Brent. But as, as these people that are in power or, or people that have an audience, do they believe that their opinion is more important than the facts? So go ahead, Coach. Well, yeah. Any, any, when you look at, like I say, politicians, you look at the Hollywood elite, if they call them that. I haven't figured out why they're elite myself. Um, also, all most of them do is they make a living by pretending mm -hmm. that they're somebody else. Now, they may do it real good, but, you know, uh, I, I could do without if I never saw another movie, I probably survive without any problems. <laughs> you know, like I say, opinions are, as they used to say, opinions are like your butthole. Everybody's got one. I don't mean it's necessarily right. And some of them stink. All right. A lot of the politicians, they are, because they are politicians, they pander to, you want to call them their followers, you want to call them their base, whatever it might be. They say what they think their followers or their people want them to hear, right? And they think they know more than the rest of us, right? And we have people, like you say, that they get all their information on social media, you know, who, who somebody's doing Twitter or whatever. I mean, I, I'm granted I'm on Facebook, but I don't I don't Twitter too much. You know, I just and so I don't follow people like that. But that is the problem that we're just getting everything, you know, like we're trying to have, like they used to say, trial by public opinion. You know, let's just do away with the with the court system at all. Let's just have a trial. And then everybody can just vote on their computer and decide whether they're guilty or innocent. We'll just have the whole country vote, you know, and make that decision. You know, if we're not careful, that's may may wind up what it's going to come to before too long. But like I say, people need to look at themselves. They need to look for the information themselves. Don't depend on what other people say. It doesn't matter who's saying it. Look for yourself. Coach, I agree. And and before I move on to Don, I, I totally agree is people need to do their own research instead of being told what to follow. But before I do that, I'm going to say this is you make that coach in the vet hat look really good, coach. I'm just throwing it out there. So uh, appreciate that. And I'm going to throw it over to Don. Yeah, I think there's a nuance to your question in that most people think their opinions are facts. Um, and so that they're speaking from what they truly believe is a fact. And unfortunately, it's not. It's an opinion. 
Um, it sort of goes to Coach's comment of, you know, what did Rittenhouse, uh, how did he screw up? Yeah, I, I agree. The image of him holding an AR-15 in the streets of Kenosha isn't a good image. And that I, I formed opinions just from that image of this is a 17-year-old that's, you know, not doing things right, or this is a 17-year-old that's rogue. There's, th there's things that just that image can evoke. And it evoked it in me as well. Um, but it can't stop at that. That's an initial opinion I had. Unfortunately, that's the depth that a lot of our media is at, is what does the image portray? What is it that uh, sells? And then they move on to the next thing. And then us as receivers of media, you know, we're prone to confirmation bias because we go towards the source that reconfirms the things that we've already believed or what we think we believe. And so it's just a dangerous thing. And I tell you, the, the most dangerous thing in our country is our media. They are dishonest and they lack the intelligence to do research. Uh, a lot of it is just ignorance more than anything else. Sure, there's politics, but uh, there's also a level of ignorance to a lot of people in the mainstream media. And that ignorance has a platform to spew what they think are facts, but are really just opinions. I mean, everything about this case, I mean, just I'm telling you people, watch the case. Why was he in Kenosha? This is some rogue 17-year-old that's crossing state borders. Well, first of all, he lives on the border. And he was living with his mom and two sisters. He was working in his hometown in northern Illinois, but was laid off from the YMCA as a coach. It's like the YMCA here is laid off people. He was a lifeguard at the Y. And so he went to work in a town. Where does his dad live? In Kenosha. Where does his grandmother live? In Kenosha. Where do his cousins live? In Kenosha. Where are his friends? In Kenosha. It's 20 miles away. That's like me driving to see the Chiefs play right down the street. That's me driving to work every day. I mean, he wasn't some guy that traveled across the country. Now, Rosenbaum was. He was a guy in prison for 10 years down in Arizona or Texas. And all of a sudden, he's appeared up in Kenosha. But there's no issue with him being an out-of-towner coming up. There's an issue with this kid that lives 20 miles away. I don't know, just everything about it. It's just so eye-opening to watch and pay attention to the original sourcing and don't be influenced by the media. Don, I agree. You know, in the trial, it even talked about uh, Gross Kurtz, the weapon he had. He didn't, you know, the weapon he had supposedly wasn't registered. That was brought up by the defense at the very end. You know, there was no talk about that whatsoever, mm -hmm. that, that right there. It wasn't talked about until the, the very end that, he checked into a hospital in an alias name, supposedly. I, I don't know if that's true or not. I wasn't there, but that's what's been told from the court, not the media. You know, that's in the court being said, not in the media. So those are kind of crazy things. And, you know, they, they look for, for Rittenhouse to be a white supremacist. They, they purged his phone, couldn't find a damn thing on it whatsoever. But they weren't allowed to go to Gross Kurt's phone and such. So I just pulled up his social media and saw what he was affiliated with and, oh, opened some eyes on that one, according to the courts, you know. But like you said, listen to what's in the court. That's where the truth is, not everything else. Go ahead, Coach. I want to hear what your thoughts are on that. Well, a fundamental principle of our American 
criminal justice system is a defendant that is accused of any crime is has to be proven guilty and he is actually innocent until he is proven we have that protection in the fifth amendment we have that in the 14th amendment that's just this fundamental day one or excuse me semester one of law school and anybody that's been in the media more than a few months that's that's covered any trial learns that immediately the clause regarding self-incrimination in the fifth actually was developed so you don't have to incriminate yourself so the government actually has to prove a case against you you don't even have to speak so but what the media has done is they become the voice for what they want to call as the victim, because we're in a we're in a battle right now between victim and the victim mentality and, and the victim versus the oppressor. And they love that narrative more than anything. And this is actually a perfect example that of the victim versus the oppressor and the white against the black and the white supremacist just again you know being you know that the kkk is just running rampant around the country which no one can ever find one i don't even know one i've never met one but the way that you hear it from the left media is they're just running all over the freaking town all the time and like we said earlier the white supremacist i had to look up the definition just recently just to know what it really was because i was getting confused thinking i didn't even know what it really was because i thought i did and come to find out, yes, I did know what it was. It's not what's being portrayed. So one of the things that frustrates me the most with this trial is this young guy is being guilty in the public and having to prove himself innocent. The minute that this trial is over, you're hearing already when he gets off, if he gets off, that doesn't that that's not the way our justice system is set up. If they prove the case beyond a reasonable a doubt, he goes to jail. If they don't, he is innocent. It's not he got off because he's white. He's a white supremacist or whatever. But that's what you hear is he's going to get off. That just means that there was not evidence to prove that he was guilty. Vet. This thing has gotten crazy out of hand in the last few years that people forget what the foundation of the criminal justice system that starts with the 19, or excuse me, 1791 Bill of Rights, and it hasn't changed and it will not change. So with that, there is uh, I got to move on to the next question. And uh, and I agree with you. So and you kind of alluded to it, coach, is the judge has stated that in America, everyone is innocent all the way up to the point the jury decides that they are guilty in America. And they are afforded the privilege to be respected as if they are innocent all the way up to that point. That's the first thing. So many in the media have come out and criticized the judge that he's like the lawyer for uh, uh, Rittenhouse. Don, you and I have been on a lot of court martials, and we have watched a lot of court martials. And I've been where there's two-day court martials, there's a week-long court martial, or even longer. I've been where there's only like a two-thirds of a day of a court martial. I have found out, though, when it comes to a court martial, the judge will spend a significantly amount of time on the first day, almost half the first day ensuring that the accused rights are all protected and they fully understand everything. That is, excuse me, part of the judge's responsibility, I thought. And so I'm going to throw it around. I'll start with Don and go to Coach Ingham, then Coach John Brent. Do y'all see anything different with that? Or is that the, the, the judge's responsibility? Have you seen the case? Do you think he's being impartial? Or, or do you think he's just sitting there just being a lawyer for somebody as the media is portrayed. Go ahead there, Don, if you don't mind. No, I think what we've seen over the past several years is this tendency to lean on the judicial 
system to legislate for us. And this is a result of it. And so one of the second or third order effects of that is you now expect the judges to impose um, sentencing based off of, uh, you know, the pressures from uh, politicians versus politicians addressing problems that politicians should address. I mean, what we really should be talking about here or what the debates should be on is are the laws of stand your ground in Wisconsin appropriate looking at this case? Maybe they are and maybe they aren't, but the laws are the laws. And so instead of using this kid to impose a political belief, our lawmakers should go back to the, the, or the lawmakers of Wisconsin should go back and review their laws. You know, that's, that's the way the system should work. And the judge should be left to judge that case and not legislate if the laws were written the way we no longer want those laws anymore. I mean, it is cut and dry in Wisconsin what is legal and what is illegal in terms of staying your ground. And it, I mean, it, I, I pulled it again, go to the original source. I pulled up the Wisconsin Wisconsin uh, law because I want to make sure I understand what we're arguing here. Does he have a legal right to be there? If the answer is yes, then the only three questions are, uh, were you the instigator? If you were not, did you provoke the confrontation? And then did the other party continue to threaten you? And in all three cases where he shot from his rifle, all three of those were met. And so straight from Wisconsin law, as it is written, he did absolutely everything within the legal rights of uh, folks in Wisconsin. But then you could argue, well, he should have retreated. Well, that's also written into the Wisconsin law that uh, the opportunity to flee or retreat before he or she is used force uh, shall presume that the actor reasonably believed that that force was necessary to prevent imminent death. And so you can't even bring into the court the fact that they should have flee because that's out of the equation. Well, Don, I'll say this. I'll say this on the first one. He did. He ran and the dude chased him. And on the second right. one, he was running to get away from that situation. I don't know what his plans were once he got away. And then people all of a sudden started throwing things at him. And they knocked him he down. Tripped, he fell, he kicked, and he was hit with a skateboard. Both times he was actually in the flea mode, and then he's on the ground. I mean, I don't know. Go ahead. And he doesn't even have to be in the flea mode in Wisconsin. That's what the discussion should be. Is that the right law for the case? Or, you know, is that the right, or is that the right law for the state? I should say, is that the right law for the state? Maybe it is. Well, maybe thing, it isn't. But that's the question. What, one thing I often refer to is when somebody says, well, I don't like this or I don't like this. I'm like, well, go get the law changed. Go change the law. You know, people, I have, I know somebody, Coach John Brent, see me argue with her. She didn't like the Second Amendment. Well, go get two-thirds vote and go get the damn law changed. It is in the Bill of Rights. Hate to break the news to you. It's going to be a hard one, but go ahead. Right. You know, if you don't like don't it, change the law. Judge. Yeah, the judge can't change the law. That's what we're trying to do. Yeah. So, so Coach Ingram, my question is: Do you think the 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 judge is acting as a as a parent or a coddling Rittenhouse, or is he just doing what judges do, protecting his rights, 
and he's adjudicated this case so far pretty well. I mean, what are your thoughts on it? Well, I think he's done the job that he's supposed to do. You know, he's protecting the rights of the defendant, which you need to make sure that because he has all those rights, he has the rights. And the prosecutor has occasionally tried to sneak some things in and he's shut him down on it, said, no, you can't do that. We've already discussed this and so on, you know, because the prosecutor's prosecution's job is to get a conviction. That's their job. Okay. And they're going to do everything they can to get one. So they're going to try to sneak those little things in if they can. And the judge is there in both cases. The judge is there to make sure that all the rights are followed. The law is followed. And, you know, so everything is taken care of like it's supposed to be. So I don't think he's done anything wrong at all. I think he's followed procedure of whatever the law is in Wisconsin. He's done it, you know, and all these other things about his uh, having a uh, ringtone that was the, the Trump theme song or whatever, or make this comment about Asian food uh, coming in from lunch. Well, big deal. People have to get a life, you know, don't don't draw things on on silly things like that. That doesn't make any sense to me. And and part of this, you know, and one thing I just wanted to mention because I saw this on the arguments of one of the prosecutor uh, when they were talking about that uh, he should have just let himself take a beating. Well, who in their right mind is just going to stand there and let somebody beat him overhead with a skateboard, you know, or be kicked? A skateboard can be a deadly weapon. It can kill you just as easy as a gun or a club or anything else. But to have the nerve to say he should have allowed himself to just take a beating and then go on, well, they could have just beat him to death. Coach Ingram, I'll say this. As you know, as well as anybody, I was was tiny in school, and I was not about to be beat down all the way down without putting up some resistance. Might not have been much back in those days, but Jesus – I know that that just makes that doesn't even make common sense. But I think, again, my opinion, the judge has done a real good job. I don't see where there would be anything that anybody would have a complaint about. All right. So I'm going to throw it over to the coach. What do you got, coach? Well, if anybody remembers about 25 years ago, we had the OJ Simpson trial, and most of the people that saw that trial said Judge Ito sat there and just let the court get out of control, let the prosecutors and defendants pretty much run. And, and most of the, the pundits after that said, you, what you need is a judge that is in control of his courtroom. And this judge has been in control of his courtroom. He set procedures. He set rules early on. He said, you can and cannot do these things. And a couple of times that the prosecutor went over that, he got pissed. And, you know, it's, it's kind of good to see the emotions of a judge going, what the hell are you doing? We already talked about this. You don't do these things. And, you know, people hate that if it's on the opposite side of the narrative that they want, because they want this judge to call the prosecution. So their narrative is get this little white kid convicted, because when people go out and peacefully protest, you can't just run up in there with a gun and start shooting black people. And they ended up being white people and it ended up having self-defense issues. 
So it's, it's not going to matter what he does. The thing about the Asian food coaching him was absolutely hilarious, if you ask me. He said, I hope our Asian food ain't on one of those boats out there in the harbor because then we ain't going to get our food, pretty much what he was saying. And he cracked the joke. Sometimes you crack a joke before lunch. I've been involved in many court cases because I represented myself and also went into court to watch trials so I would know what proper procedure is. And there's two times that a judge comes off of his strictness. And it's usually when they're waiting for, if they call the names of the parties up and they're running a little bit late, he'll say funny things. And right before lunch, it's always a little funny because everybody needs to get a little break in the action. This is no different. What we really want is we want judges like this, no matter what side of the argument you're on, because you want them to follow the law, follow the procedure, follow the rules, get the case done and get it to the jury. He did perfect. All right. So. I got a couple things here and I'm going to spit them out here real quick. So even as of recently as today or yesterday, Congresswoman Cori Bush came out and, you know, even though after all this is real evidence and if she watched even an ounce of this, she comes out. We marched in Ferguson, white supremacists who hid behind a hill near the Michael Brown Jr. was murdered and shot at us. And now they're trying to figure out that, where did you get shot at? How come we didn't investigate that? They never faced their consequences. And, and there's a lot of people dogging around on that. But anyway, she refers, if Kyle Rittenhouse is acquitted, it tells us they, that tells them that they even seven years later still get away with it. And I don't even know what to even make of this bull crap, except she's trying to stoke some freaking weird ass flames. So that's the first thing. Even as of recently, is if she watched it, have your aide watch it. I don't care and say, Corey, we're, we're kind of way off base here. This is not how it went down. But anyway, moving along. So these I'm going to cover real quick. He has one count of reckless homicide, which could draw 60 years. He has two and three count of reckless endangerment safety, which draws 12 and a half years. He has four number fourth count, which is intentional homicide, which could be life in prison. And he has number five attempted intentional homicide, which draws 60 years. Tonight, the uh, jury, the deliberation, the jury went into deliberation and they did a pause X, as we call it in the military, and they'll resume tomorrow. So I'm going to throw it around the horn and I'm going to start off with Don McCush, go to Coach Ingham, finish up with Coach John Brent. What do you think the outcome will be in regards to this after seeing what you've seen? Oh, he's not guilty. I mean, they're going to let him off. Um, anything other than that will just be. I don't know. It'll blow my mind. Now, there'll probably be some more peaceful protests after the verdict's read, because uh, you can even hear during the closing arguments the protests going on outside the courtroom. I mean, they were loud enough that you could hear them inside the courtroom watching it on C-SPAN. So, you know, it's probably loud in Kenosha. Um, and I think the other thing is we might hear a little bit more about this guy, Joshua Zeminski who was the first person to draw a weapon in the whole thing and has not been on the news, but he came out in all the testimony. Uh, you look him up after this uh, podcast because his picture's out there on the web. You want to talk about someone that actually looks like a white supremacist, it's, you know, and someone that was actually uh, inflicting violence in the city. He was burning and looting and he had a weapon and he was the one that actually encouraged Rosenbaum to attack Rittenhouse at the first 
which drew the first incident. And he actually, again, he was the one that drew the first weapon. He was nowhere around, but he came out in the testimony. No one has talked about him. I wonder why. Uh, well, I know it was brought up toward the tail end, and there were some jurisdictional things regarding him uh, because uh, he's supposed to be, there's a case against him or something of that nature. Now, I'm not sure. So it was interesting at the uh, at the deliberate at the very tail end in the closing comments. So I'll throw it to you, Coach. Go ahead. Well, I think if they base their determination on the trial and what they heard in the courtroom, I would say he will be not guilty. But there's always a but. You have these outside influences. You know, because they they hear the things, you know, because they go home and the judge can say, you know, don't watch this, don't watch that. Well, that's probably not going to happen. They hear what's going on. They see the protesters. They say, okay, well, if we let the, if he gets completely exonerated, you know, here they're going to burn down the town or now they know who we are. They're going to come after us. So you have that in play. You shouldn't. And that's where we've gotten to the point now in this country, you know, where uh, jurors, they, people know who they are. And if you don't give the right verdict to what some people think, they can come after you. So I don't know if that's going to play into it or not. If they can disregard all that and just base everything that's on the trial, he should be not guilty on all counts. Coach, go ahead. Well, and, and Don and, and Coach Ingram are right. If they follow the law and if they follow the testimony and they take the, you know, the, the feelings and emotions out of, they, you know, they have to live in this community. If they take that out and actually just follow the law, follow, you know, the testimony, uh, there's really no doubt the gentleman is not guilty of what he's been charged of. Um, politics do play into it. And also emotions really pl play a lot into it. I'll never forget that when the O.J. Simpson, I hate to bring that up again, but when the O.J. Simpson trial was going on, I remember the verdict was going to be out and we heard about it. And we all ran over to a co-worker's apartment and we we're in there waiting for this verdict. And I'm telling you, everybody in that room knew that he was going to be convicted. Just was. But the surprise of the century <laughs> when it comes to courtroom outside of Casey Anthony, I'll just say that that was a different century, but was absolutely I remember for weeks I felt sick to my stomach. There are times that the facts and, and, and the testimony that comes out is different for those 12 people that, that are hearing it there. And they have the, 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 the emotions involved. They have the, the, the mountain of pressure on the, the, on their shoulders. So we really don't know. And Kyle Rittenhouse's mother said she's absolutely nervous of this outcome. And she should be because what we've seen from the president of the United States down to Congress people, to police people, to NAAC, to ACLU people saying he's white supremacist, he's guilty, and he's going to get off. She should be nervous. But if they follow the law of it, there's, he's not guilty. I personally believe, and I, and I got faith in America, and uh, I believe he'll get a full acquittal at the end of the day. Uh, if you watch the case with an open mind, even if you were leaning one way or the other, You'll sit there and go, okay, there's no evidence of that. There's no evidence of that. No evidence that you read the law like you have to, like Don McCush said, and apply it. There, there's nothing he can really be charged with. 
The closest thing he could have was the six count that was dropped was the weapons charge. But then they found out that didn't even apply to him, you know, because the length of the weapon itself. And uh, so and to me, that was a prosecution blunder because they should have known that before. And that shows how incompetent they are. They drug that all the way through. That makes them a little bad. But that's just me is I think that he'll get a full acquittal. So it'll be interesting. And uh, if you follow law, he's he, he is not guilty at the end of the day. And and I hope the people that are on there follow the law, uh, not because I, I just want the law to prevail at the end of the day. You know, and, and I think it's been demonstrated that he did do what he's supposed to do. So with all that right there, it is time to say Sarah Nar, and we're going to have to get out of here because we're busting time. So I'm going to say real quick from the coach. And to the vet. Stay tuned, stay tuned, stay tuned. Ah.